This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Mile High Five podcast. My name is Doug Cunnington, and we have uh, my favorite co-host, J.D. Roth. J.D., how's it going today? Good, Doug. How are you? Doing excellent, and I'm excited. We're actually recording this towards the end of the year, but we're going to talk about the new year, New Year's resolution, setting goals, and kind of our general approach as we are, you know, closing out a year, starting a new one. And I'm I'm interested in in your take on this because I have kind of a maybe a contrarian attitude <laughs> at this point. And I, I really don't know what you do at the end of the year or the beginning. So this should be fun. We we might be on the same page because uh <laughs> the the older I get, the more contrarian I get too. Okay. So. Yeah, this will be curious. This will be interesting. We, we we haven't talked in advance about what our approaches are. So this is awesome. Yeah. So before we get into the details today, it's been a few weeks since we chatted, and you know, I had one like little development, which I think we have talked about, like our struggles with sleep and trying to get higher quality sleep. Is that right, JD? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So you know, I have cut back on caffeine. That seemed to help some. But very recently, I got a chili pad, and I've heard those are really good. Are you familiar with the chili pad? What is a chili pad? So it's a like a mattress pad insert. This maybe you know half an inch, and it has tubes going through it that circulates water that you could temperature control. So huh? one thing I I know I, I sleep a little bit hot, and also yeah, I use me too. App, Apple Watch, you know, to track the deep sleep. And the deep sleep is, you know, where I struggle with. And typically I would get, you know, as reported by the watch, 15 or 20 minutes, maybe a little bit more if I slept terribly and maybe like partied at a conference for too many days in a row and I got back home and I (laughs) catch up on sleep. So anyway, I've only been using the chili pad for about a week, but I've slept uh, over eight hours every single night. I've been getting an hour and a half to like two and a half hours of deep sleep each of those nights. And it's absolutely ridiculous. So I'm, I'm curious, have you explored the chili pad concept at all? I have not. This is fascinating. So, um, I struggle with sleep too. Um, I struggle getting to sleep. And then once I'm asleep, I'm fine. And I'll sleep for 90 minutes at a time. That's my cycle is about 90 minutes. Uh, but then when I wake up, I'll again struggle to get back to sleep. It's because my mind spins, my mind spins, and I, I, I just can't stop it. Um, so my solution is, uh, I think I've mentioned this before, is I, I listen to audiobooks. I have an audiobook running. As soon as I'm ready for bed, I turn on an audiobook and I put it on the headphones, or if I'm sleeping by myself, I just let it play. And um, this works great for me because I'm not, it's just that voice droning on. I guess it's kind of like people falling asleep with the TV on. Um, it's the same concept. To me, it just helps put me to sleep. However, I think it messes with the quality of my sleep. Um, and another problem is I'm very overweight right now. And so I know that my sleep apnea is back. I, I've been diagnosed with sleep apnea in the past, uh, but I gave away my CPAP machine, so I no longer have it. 
I have an appointment for uh, January 21st. I'm going to go in and have another sleep study. And so hopefully they'll give me another CPAP machine. But getting to your uh, chili pad, um, I have a tendency, I'll reach up and I'll open the window. I just did this last night. And so even though it's cold outside, especially because it's cold outside, I'll open the window and I just love the coolness washing over me. And uh, yeah, there. cool. Yeah, it's um, it's something else. I'll I'll send you information if you want to check it out more. The, I would love um, to. The machines are a little bit expensive, which held me back in the past. I think they might be like five hundred bucks or more. But yeah. a, f- a friend of mine upgraded his, and he was kind enough to you know, give it to me. So I owe him something huge because I, I didn't realize it was going to make that big of a difference. So mattress. Uh, yeah, it fits. It's like um. Yeah, it fits between the mattress and the like the fitted sheet. Spring? Um, oh, 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 so, so it's underneath the, the sheet. Okay. Yep. That makes more sense. Yep, yep. Yeah, so it's just underneath the sheet and you, you know, you have to dial in the right temperature and stuff like that. Now, yeah. it's winter time right now. It's kind of cold, so uh, I actually will turn it up a little bit to get into a warm bed, and then once I get in the bed, then I'll turn it down to the the proper temperature. <laughs> Wow. What temperature do you sleep with it at? I sleep with it at 69, like you would would guess probably. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, it, honestly, in my ideal world, my the room that I'm sleeping in would be 60. And uh, not kidding. Yep. And uh, I, I think that's partly why, because when we go to bed, the, the thermostat's at 67 and it's still too warm for me. And that, uh, I open that window every once in a while and let that freezing air come in. Yeah. Yeah. This is crazy. It's, it's tough. And we're not close. Like we're on a ground floor and I'm bald. So if I open the window, um, <laughs> it would be very cold. I have to get, I'd have to wear one of those old timey stocking cap things like Ebenezer yeah. Scrooge would wear. So, okay, cool. Well, let's get into it today and let's, let's start with sort of end of year things. So, JD, at the end of the year, do you sort of do any kind of close down or wrap up or reflection or anything like that? I don't have anything formal. Um, I have some informal stuff. So one important thing to note is I have this uh, five-year, uh, what is it? It's a, it's a daily journal, but it's a five-year daily journal. And uh, so I'm able to... On each page, so for example, I just opened a March 7th. Uh, I started this journal in 2021. So March 7th, 2021, I wrote, I don't know, it looks like five or six sentences about my day. March 7th, 2022, I did the same thing. So this allows me to like perform review as I'm going. Um, so when I start January 1st, 2023, uh, I'll be able to see the previous two years and say, oh, this is what happened on the previous two years. Uh, previous, the same date, the previous two years. And so this is really helpful for me to see, okay, what kind of progress am I making? Where was I last year? And I, I track some stats, like my weight, what the temperature is, and all that stuff. Um, but at the end of the year, um, the only thing I really do is Kim and I sit down and we have like a family meeting and we set some goals for the coming year. Uh, they're just kind of loose goals or based on where we are right now. We talk about what's been good, what's been bad, where do we want to go? But it's, uh, it's really, I mean, we pour, we each pour a glass of wine and we just sit there and talk for an hour or two. And 
it, it's, I find it's very helpful. Do, do you have a more formal structure or? No, not really. Um, probably pretty close to what you're talking about. Typically in, in the past, we'll do a net worth review. So from the financial aspect yeah. and we That's do part that of ours. mid-year and then end of year. And I think during those conversations, like they were intended just as family finance meetings, but I think some of those reflections come in too. And I think it'll be even more so this year. We haven't been traveling um, a ton or slow travel or anything more longer term since roughly 2005 when we moved out West. However, my wife um, at the beginning of last year negotiated down to four days per week and then just nice. yesterday, she got approval for three days per week. So she's ecstatic, and she did a. She actually negotiated a promotion, a raise, and three days a week instead of four. So it that's was amazing, a huge win. And you know, it's the leverage you get when you hit five. Like you can ask for things that you'd be, you know, sends crazy. But yeah, we need sense. to have on the show to talk about negotiating. That's that's great stuff right there. It, yeah, so I'll I'll uh, I'll, conv- I'll convince her to get on, but yeah, it worked out well. Uh, all that to say, I think we probably will look at you know more travel. We have more flexibility, maybe something like that. And you know, we we would try to get out and hike on our off days or something like that. But it's never as much as we could do, and it's, it's never as much as we like envision. As we're like right. thinking, oh yeah, we can. You know, the summer's great. We'll hike a bunch, and we hike like you know, three times together. Like we could do better than that. So. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Uh, you know, I was thinking this whole uh, reviewing the previous year, my friend, Chris Gillibo, he's very big. He has these elaborate year end reviews. He takes a week at the end of each year to uh, examine what has gone right, what has gone wrong, set goals for the coming year. Uh, he's much more driven than I am. He, he's a, uh, we talked last time I was on that I'm a man of no ambition. Uh, Chris has a lot of ambition. So it's very important for him uh, to review where he's been and to figure out where he wants to go. And I, I think it, when I think about it, I think it's good to know yourself. So it sounds like maybe uh, you, maybe you don't, maybe you're not as ambitionless as I am, but maybe you lack some ambition too. And so uh, for the two of us, and maybe this, the reviewing and the setting goals isn't quite as a priority as it would be for somebody who's younger or uh, who is more ambitious. Yeah, I think you nailed it. And I I used to set goals far more intentionally. Yeah, me and, too. And, you know, part of it was I was in the corporate world <laughs> and, you know, they, they want you to keep trying to get promoted and do more work for less money and that, that sort of thing. But I, I was like setting goals, how you're supposed to smart goals. I think maybe that's one thing that you mentioned. We yep. can talk about that. Yep. And when I got laid off and started my own business, I knew it was really important to set goals. Plus, you know, like reading uh, some of Chris's books, right. I know that setting goals and being ambitious, like that's where I needed to go. But around 2018, after I had a few really good years, I realized, well, is more better? Is more like what I need? Or or do I have enough? And if I just kind of coast, which can get dangerous, right? But if you kind of coast, then- Yeah, so you can get complacent. 
is that okay? Turns out uh, it worked really good for me. So I, I didn't get complacent enough to where, you know, I stopped uh, growing and started declining, but I actually like kind of plateaued out and I've been able to like maintain at a, a very good level, but one where I'm not working too hard. And I, you know, especially in the entrepreneurship world, it's always like more, more, more. Like if you get to six figures, it's like, how do you get to seven figures? Then how do you get to eight? And there's always, I mean, there's always more to do. You'll never get, there's always someone better than you. So, um, yeah, I just arrived at that and I'm like, okay, I just, I have to run my own race, not race against everyone else. Dude, you are, you're, talking about the exact things that I've been thinking about for days or weeks or months here, the, the competition, not just with others, but with yourself. And, uh, 2022 is in many ways been a very difficult year for me. And here at the end of the year, uh, I'm thinking about everything I've been through and thinking about where I want to go. And I don't know exactly where I want to go. Um, I'm a 53-year-old guy who's financially independent, and I have a lot of freedom, and I feel fortunate about that. Um, but it also means I'm a little aimless. And uh, so I'm starting to ask myself, why am I doing some of the things that I'm doing? And what would I rather be doing? Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this. This is this is interesting to me. When did you... When did you have those thoughts that I mentioned? I it occurred to me in roughly 2018 or so, and I stopped stopped setting goals, or my goals were like maintain and just keep coasting. So, like, when when did that start to hit you? I, I like first of all, I'm going to be ADD and say I like how we set out with the intention to talk about certain things on these podcasts, and then it goes <laughs> in completely different directions. Yeah. So. I sold Get Rich Slowly in 2009. I started the site in 2006. I was still in debt, trying to get out of debt, uh, managed to build it up, sold it, and selling it made me financially independent. I stuck around for about three years uh, because I felt obligated to the audience. It felt like I wanted to stick with the audience. And then eventually in 2012, I'm like, okay, why am I doing this? I I need to focus on myself. So I started focusing on myself and it was in 2012. I didn't really coast necessarily, but I let go of these things that I thought I should be doing. And I started like focusing on myself. If that makes sense. I started focusing on my fit. I had already started focusing on my fitness, but I was doing uh, exercise. I was doing Spanish lessons. Uh, I was taking guitar lessons. I was traveling. I was uh, beginning to date after the divorce. There were all these things. And, uh, I would say that I coasted, to use your term, uh, then for, well, until I repurchased Get Rich Slowly in 2017. So I had about five years of coasting. And uh, since 2017, I wouldn't really say that I've been coasting, but I have felt like I've lost my way. And and I feel like I'm not really doing what's true to myself, if that makes sense. Um, And so... Actually, what I want to do is get to where I'm coasting again. Okay. Gotcha. And during those years, I'm curious, did you go through uh, like goal setting? Would you 
get re- really obsessed with something and you're like, oh, you know what? I'm let's aim t- for that for a little while. Or was it really kind of? Uh, yeah, from, from time to time. Um, but mostly it was no goals, and it, it was a. Uh, it was more like, hey, I want to learn guitar. I'm going to start learning guitar lessons. Hey, I, I want to learn Spanish. I'm going to take lessons three times a week. And so I would have, it wasn't like I was setting goals, but it was, there were things that I was interested in. And so I was pursuing them with a passion. Um, and when I look back, honestly, Doug, that was the happiest time of my life. That's the time I felt most myself, the time that I felt most fulfilled. Uh, and it all culminated uh, when in, um, 2015, early 2015, we start, we headed out in an RV with, with no schedule. And we ended up staying on the road for 15 months doing an RV trip around the U S and that was, that's like, uh, to this day, it's the highlight of my life is that trip, those 15 months where we were just aimless and on the road and meeting people and exploring the country. Have you ever thought about writing a book on that? I have not thought about writing the book on it. I, I don't know that there's a enough material there. Yeah. Um, but I, I see what you're saying. That there's a germ of an idea there. Yeah. When so, I'm just thinking of like some, you know, tr- travel, uh, travel books that I've read and yeah, I mean, I guess sometimes there's not like a grand point. It's just like, man, this is a fucking adventure. Crazy. Exactly. It, well, and the hilarious thing is I have plenty of written notes. I kept a blog as I was doing it. Um, and I have thousands of photos and probably a hundred gigabytes of video. Uh, and uh, yeah, I've never reviewed the video. I, I look at the photos now and then, but the the video I've never gone back to review because that just seems like a mammoth task because it's days and days of video to look through. I should have been editing as I went, but I didn't. It's so tough. And now it's so easy just to record so much, even just on our phones, but I know you're, you're yeah. a photo guy, video guy too. So like you would, yeah, you could just get hundreds of hours of material that would now be impossible to go through. Yeah. So, I should have been, we had a GoPro mounted to the RV or we also towed our mini Cooper. And so we put it on the mini Cooper. And uh, the reality is I should have, I should have been taking notes as what, you know, it's June 23rd and, uh, uh, two o'clock in the afternoon, a herd of gazelle ran. Well, we don't have gazelle in the U.S. Or a herd of deer ran across the, yeah. the highway. I mean, that's the notes I should have taken, but I didn't. So it, when you say that you're coasting, I know you just chose that word out of the air. But to me, there's an implication that it's uh, purposeless or drifting or, or lacks goals. Is that how you feel? <sighs> a l- a little bit. So one good thing that kind of keeps me grounded is I, I do, I have this podcast and then I have my other podcast where I publish two episodes per week. So that keeps me like doing something I have to deliver. I can't work very far ahead so I can take plenty of time off. So that does keep me somewhat tied to, you know, creativity and production and like thinking of yeah. new ideas and communicating. And there's like other pieces of the business where I have a blog and I have some courses and I could create more courses, but I'm like, I don't, I don't know if that sounds very fun to do. And I could blog a little bit more, but also I'm a little burned out on that. So I'd rather 
take the same ideas and talk about it versus like, you know, writing it out. So there are a couple pieces where it is a little aimless and I'm like, should I just quit that? And along the way, again, roughly in the same time frame, maybe 2016 to 2018, I realized the more things I quit, the happier I am. So if I have a bunch of plates spinning, that's not good. And I started, you know, getting rid of things that were kind of interesting, but not interesting enough for me to actually do anything with. So actually I had a call with someone, the company that's um, hosting this uh, podcast, right? And I I had a call with uh, someone on the team there and through some connections, I may be able to sell one of the websites that I have, you know, nothing huge, not like life changing, but it's like a project that I worked on for a little while that I now don't have much interest. They can run with it. They could actually grow it and do something with it. And usually I know if I hang on to something and I just like let it slowly die, then it will just slowly die. So yeah. Do you have any thing like that where you're, yeah. So it's funny. I love how conversations with people always seem to connect. I'm not a guy who believes in like, oh, the universe is leading you in certain directions. But uh, we humans tend to make connections and find a meaning in threads. And uh, I'm finding meaning here. I just had a conversation yesterday. uh, I'm not sure if you know who Douglas Soy is. He has a a newsletter about money and meaning. Uh, He lives here in Portland. And uh, uh, he's a great guy. And... uh, he uh, he just spent an hour chatting with me about where I am and what it is I want to do. And uh, at the end of the call, he's like, you know, JD, what it sounds like is you just need to let go of what you have been doing because what you have been doing is anchoring you and preventing you from moving forward. And he, uh, he gave me this Elizabeth Gilbert quote. Elizabeth Gilbert, of course, wrote Eat, Pray, Love, but she also has some great... Um, videos and, and material on creativity. Uh, and so this quote from Elizabeth Gilbert is, I've never seen any life transformation that didn't begin with the person in question finally getting sick of their own bullshit. And uh, the way Douglas talked about this, he says, this is like before anything good can happen to you, you've got to let it go of other things completely. And well, I don't agree with that. Hundred percent. I get the idea of the. I get what's trying to be said there, and I'm not letting go completely of things. I think that's anchoring me. I had a big talk with my girlfriend last night, and we talked, and uh, we both think that I'm just being anchored to the past, and it's preventing me from like leaping into the future. If that makes sense. A hundred percent. And then I know. You uh, kind of jumped off the back of what I said, and now I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes even more sense. Like, I definitely need to sell that site. And, you know, there's other pieces where I'm like, oh, I should just let that go. There's no there's no sense, like, just continuing to let it anchor, like, per- perfect words. So that said, like, do you, like, do you just need the space to have uh, some boredom to get bored so you find something else to do or do you know where you might want to head to um i can't remember whether we've talked about this before we probably have since it's so uh, top of my mind but 
I want to pursue sides of me that I have not explored yet. And the thing that I keep being drawn to is art. I have a, a lifelong love of comic books and of film, uh, just visual storytelling. And uh, I do a lot of storytelling, even though I write a personal finance blog, it's built around telling stories. And I've never done art in my life, but I wonder if there's not a way to channel my love of comic books and film into telling visual stories about personal finance, or even just, I, I love memoir. So telling stories about my own life. Um, so all this is to say that I would like to learn how to draw and how to paint. True story, last night as I'm falling asleep in bed or trying to fall asleep, I watched half of a two-hour video about how to paint with watercolors. And I'm the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, God damn, I want to get out of bed right now and go paint with watercolors. I couldn't. I don't have the materials. But I'm like, wow. I, I just felt so jazzed by it. And uh, so, yes, I have an idea of the direction I want to go. And that is toward art. It's just, it's one of those things where I don't know where to start. There's so much. Right. And it's so cool too. I mean, we're in very lucky positions where yes, you, you can take the time. Like you don't know where it's going to go. Like maybe looking back at us 20, 30 years ago, we would have been like, that's a waste of time. Like you don't know if that's going to be useful, but maybe you have to go down this path a little ways before you have a different perspective on, you know, maybe it's not watercolors, right? Maybe it's some other, maybe it's uh, graffiti. Maybe you take up spray paint graffiti or something like that, but you had to do the watercolor first before you get there. Yeah. So, you know, the one thing I would say is uh, I'm the kind of guy who's really tied, anchored, let's say again, let's use the word anchor, um, to fear and uncertainty and doubt. And it's very difficult for me to leave what is comforting and what I know. I, I grow complacent. Um, so it's difficult for me to move forward. And I have to ask myself there, I have a couple of books. I'm sure I've brought them up before. Uh, one is called designing your life, uh, by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. It's a Stanford university course that they've converted to a book about how to determine where you want to go. And the other is the courage to be disliked by Ichiro Kishimi and Fumitaki Koga. Uh, and, uh, both of these books, essentially challenge the reader to ask themselves, what would you do if you could do anything, regardless of money, time, what other people think, regardless of anything, what would you choose to do right now in this moment? And for me, it would be pursue the art, learn to draw comics. I don't want to do superhero comics. I want to do memoir style comics or educational style comics. And that is what I would do. And so I would actually at age 53 or it'd be 54 by the time it happened, I would pursue a degree in art at Oregon state university here in Corvallis. I would just go in and, and do that. And yet I'm such chicken shit that I, I, I don't pursue that. I, I've had this idea for over a year now and it's just growing stronger and stronger. And I think at some point it's going to be so strong that I, I can't resist it. I'm just going to go in. Or maybe I need the Elizabeth Gilbert thing and uh, let, let go of things completely before I 
pursue that. And I know before you mentioned, like you, you took lessons. So is it, do you feel like it's a requirement to take like university classes or could you get like one-off lessons from say a professor or someone that could like teach you exactly what you were trying to learn? Uh, that's a great question, Doug. Um, I don't feel like it's a requirement to take university classes. Uh, and in fact, watching this gal on YouTube last night, I'm like, I'll bet she has enough on her channel. I didn't actually look, but I'll bet she has enough on her channel that I could learn to do it just through watching her learn to do watercolor. And I'm sure there are other channels out there about drawing comics that I could learn from. And I have a, I'm a big fan of the great courses, the company called the great courses or the teaching company. And I already own three video courses on art, including one on watercolor, including one on drawing. Um, so I could take, I could work through those courses and I plan to do so. In fact, um, the, for me, the value of doing a university education is I thrive in that structure. I thrive. I thrive when external expectations are placed on me and I have something specific I can work toward. I excel. Uh, I'm very, it's very hard for me to pursue intrinsic motivation. It, and this is actually something I've been thinking about a lot as a character flaw uh, from reading the courage to be disliked. And, and then a secondary advantage was, would be that, you know, as a fire person, you don't have a job. I sit at home all day, type in on my computer. And if, if I were taking courses, I would be in a social environment and I would have built in human contact. I, that, that appeals to me. The downside of course is university educations are expensive. Right. 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 Yeah. And that, that totally makes sense. You know, if you're a good student, like that would definitely get you to do the work and certainly value in that form of education as well, even if it is expensive, but cool. Yeah. So, so if you were to let go of what you're doing, the stuff you're talking about, what would you pursue? Just hiking with your wife or? So a, a couple, a couple things come to mind. So my wife is still working. It's remote, but she's still a bit, um, you know, tied to the laptop and that sort of thing. Sure. So funny enough, art is another area, although photography is where I would be interested. And I've been watching a couple, uh, or one specific YouTuber, I forget his name, but he's out of uh, Santa Fe and he's like a photojournalist slash like documentary, documentary, uh, photographer. And I have been watching a bunch of his videos and, you know, I have the gear. I just have to go out and shoot. Right. And, you know, he talks about actually like printing books. So not, don't just shoot and throw it on Instagram, but like create a final product, which I'm very good. Similar to you uh, with uh, being a good student. I'm actually a decent student as well, but I finished projects. So like if I start something and I know that I'm going to do it, like I'll finish it all the way. So that's one of the little superpowers that, that I have. I know, I just know a lot of people that start, they have like five projects that are 90% done. Oh, the, th th that's me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so I won't, I won't be too hard on you, but uh, <laughs> a, a lot of people do that. And I like, it sounded interesting. Cause I was like, Oh, that's a different take. Like this guy started in the film 
photography, photojournalism world. And then he moved um, and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm still like, I'm printing books or it goes in a magazine or something like that. So that's interesting to me. The other one is kind of what you talked about uh, with your, I think it was a 2015 RV trip. So oh, yes. yeah. I'm not sure, like we're kind of homebodies, but I would love to do like little little sprints of travel and, you know, check out, not in a rush in, a, in any way, but just, you know, a month or two, maybe staying in the RV, you know, half the time or something, just so there's a little more space, but that would be pretty cool. I would love to do that. I haven't had any really long-term like road trips like that, other than we drove to Alaska and 2019 here from Longmont. So that's a good, you know, week's drive to get up there, drove around, but we stayed in hotels every night, which was fine, but really love seeing the the countryside, traveling with the seasons. So you miss the bad weather and all that stuff. Exactly. Well, and Doug, uh, just to give you some reinforcement here, um, I think your plan is brilliant because if I could construct an ideal way to see the country by RV, it would be to base myself out of Denver. So Longmont works, right? And to take one or two month jaunts out at a time and just go slowly. Yeah. And uh, because here's the truth. Well, all, all of the uh, American history is on the East coast and that's where the interesting American history is. Uh, most of the, beautiful, scenic, fun RVing is west of the Mississippi, I would say. And that's largely due to the fact that uh, the federal lands exist west of the Mississippi because uh, by the time federal land, uh, by the time the government was creating national parks and and, uh, national forests and so on, uh, the east had already been settled. So there's just not space available over there to do it. But in the west... There's so much space, so many places that you can camp for free. Like we camped just south of the Grand Canyon, about 20 minutes south for free. We were there for a week. Um, you don't have connections or anything. You're doing what they call boondocking uh, or, or dry camping. And, but it was fantastic. And it, that kind of stuff is all over the West. And that would be, that would be perfect. Like you said, you, you hang out for about a week or so and, we uh, lived up in Bozeman, pretty close to Yellowstone. And, you know, we were able to go down really often, you know, very lucky. It's only, you know, an hour and a half to one of the closest entrances there. But one one thing that I've thought about was getting an RV and staying in one of the campgrounds for like a week or two and then move to another. But really like, you know, say Yellowstone Lake, like hang out there for like one week. Most people drive by, fucking fly by, wave at the lake as they go by, see a couple animals and then leave. But it would be amazing to stay there for like a whole week and have, you know, a hundred hours out there just walking around and like really getting to know like that specific area. That's Absolutely. Do it. Yeah. I support, I support this. It's uh, yeah, it's totally doable. And then one thing, just thinking of like sort of longer term also, this only hit me in the last couple of months where I have been, you know, an air quotes coasting a little bit 
little complacent. Everything's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm adding new things and learning new things here and there, but I have not taken like a proper uh, like sabbatical ever. And when I got laid off, I immediately started working on my side hustles to grow those. And it would be cool to take like a, maybe a one to two year sabbatical where I like shelve things that, you know, just close out projects, maybe able to come back to them or start something new. I'm not sure how it would look, but that seems very interesting to just take like a sabbatical and not do anything. It's funny how we're supposed to be talking about goals and I immediately- I know, we're, we're, we're talking about not having goals. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we will come back to it, but have you taken like a, I mean, do you consider your, uh, those years in the middle as a sabbatical or have you taken a sabbatical? Uh. In theory, I'm on a sabbatical at this very moment. I'm on a, after my mom died um, in early October, I said, you know what? I'm just taking a sabbatical. And, uh, and that's actually, it's not in theory. I am on a sabbatical. Uh, I've, I've produced a couple of articles in this time, but that's it. And uh, the reality is uh, when I sold Get Rich Slowly in 2009 and then stopped writing in 2012, yes, that time until I bought it back in 2017, those five years was essentially a sabbatical. And uh, like I said, uh, when I talked to Douglas yesterday, I had never thought about this, uh, but during our conversation, it became clear that yes, I can look at it objectively and subjectively say that was the best time of my life. It was the time that I was most true to myself. It was the time when I was li I was living life to the fullest. It's pretty funny. It's a uh, it sounds kind of trite to say in a way, but it's true. And so the conclusion of the call, we didn't have like a definitive conclusion at the end of the call, but uh, I think where I want to go is I want to do what you want to do, and that is to take a sabbatical. I'm. Sabbatical is the wrong word because I don't actually think of it as a sabbatical, but I want to let go of what I'm doing, burn those bridges and uh, scares the hell out of me, uh, burn those bridges and uh, see what comes next. Because I think that number one, I'll do more travel. I love to travel. COVID has kind of put the kibosh on that for the past couple of years. Um, but also having to do work you know, puts a kibosh on it. I, I feel like I keep wanting to like put a footnote that, you know, you and I are lucky to have this conversation because we're financially independent. It's so many people can't have this conversation. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I very much, it sounds like you and I are kind of in the same headspace, not, not exactly the same, but similar headspaces. Yeah, for sure. So, as we get back on track, <laughs> a, a little bit of um, maybe resolution talk. So, you know, maybe not this specific year, but maybe so. But like historically, have you done New Year's resolutions? And like, is a new year like a new beginning for you where you're reinvigorated? Yeah. So, uh, because I'm a weird nerd, I like. Dates and I like to start things on dates. So the new year is always like this opportunity to start fresh. Ha ha! It's brand new year. 
Uh, and there are other dates throughout the year where it's also similar. They're my birthday or what I'm like, okay, I can start something on my birthday. Um, and when I was younger, uh, we talked about this briefly last time in our uh, conversation about lack of ambition. Um, when I was younger, I would set many, many goals. There was one year that I set 101 goals that I want to accomplish in a thousand days. I think it was a thousand days. I sent it to you after the last show. Um, and the, I mean, setting 101 goals, I look at that now and I'm like, that is some stupid, stupid shit. Um, <laughs> it, the, the place I've come to now is I would rather theme a year, perhaps, or say, this is the one thing I'm focusing on for this year. Um, or, or maybe I take one one goal or one area of focus in each domain. So like uh, this is day nine for me of yet another physical fitness uh, plan, uh, but I, I'm, I'm locked in. It's good. I feel like it's going to be a good one. Um, so for health next year or this year, since this come out in 2023, getting my fitness dialed in would be one thing that I would be working on in the health department. Uh, but I, I could set another, plan. I notice how I'm avoiding the word goal. Uh, another plan for uh, what I want to accomplish in uh, say uh, my business life. Um, and another one for, uh, I don't know, relationship, it, it, it just each different domain. But I don't want to set multiple goals for business, multiple goals for uh, health. I, I'm over that. I, I find that I'd rather be focused on one thing. I won't repeat everything you just said, but I literally <laughs> have a note here where I do better if I can focus and not jump around. And that is, yeah. you know, me selling the other website that I, frankly, I'm not even spending time on, but it still takes a little brain space. But if I just focus on like one or two areas, I can make good progress. You're not distracted with some other bullshit. Like you said, if you pick one goal per, you know, a domain of your life, then you can actually like focus on that thing versus like splitting your time and energy and just make a smaller amount of progress. And another, you know, quick thing to shit on goals a little bit. <laughs> the, the, um, one of the big problems with goals is it's binary. So like, yes, all the way leading up to it, you're failing. And then if you don't reach it, you fail. And then once you get past it, then what? Then you have to set another goal. So like, you know, your plan or, you know, I've heard it, you know, systems versus goals is a great yes. way to look at it. Right. So yeah, you, right. you're, you're so, right there. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm with you on board with this a hundred percent. And uh, the example I'm going to use, I have three examples. Two of them are finance. One of them is fitness. Uh, one of them is I, I just mentioned that I'm uh, nine days into a fitness regimen here. And in the past, I would have a goal to lose weight and I would want to weigh a specific amount. Um, but I'm over that. I, my That is not my goal. My, what I'm trying to do instead is set up systems where I, I'm putting into place practices that I know will lead to the results that I want. I don't aim at the results. Instead, I uh, set up this process and I know that through the process, the outcome will, I will achieve the outcome I want. Now on personal finance side, uh, I've been arguing this for years that 
you ought not set getting out of debt as a goal. You ought not set becoming financially independent as a goal. These may be things that you desire to obtain at some point, but if you make those your goals, it's just like you say, it's binary. And once you reach them, what, what do you do? And instead, what you need to do, or I don't like phrasing it like that. Instead, what I encourage people to do is to think in terms of setting up systems. If you create a life where you are earning more than you're spending, you will create that positive cash flow, right? And we talk a lot of times about having a saving rate of 50% in the financial independence world, some huge number. If you do this, you will get out of debt. If you create that gap between your earning and spending, you will get out of debt. You don't have to set that goal. Set up the system, set up the process. And if you get that gap wide enough, you will achieve financial independence. So instead of focusing on, oh, I want to achieve financial independence, focus on how wide can you get that gap? Because that's the system. That's the actual engine driving everything. I love it. Now, I'm a fitness geek. So what is your system that you're, that you're on right now? What are you doing? Right now, I'm just in the beginning stages. And what I'm trying to do is eliminate bad behaviors. Um, so before we got on the call, I told you that I've been having some blood pressure issues. I had big blood pressure scare uh, 10 nights ago, which is what prompted me to start. That's why I'm on the ninth, ninth day. Um, uh, so I'm in the process of eliminating all the shit food from the house and getting back in the habit of consuming high quality food. Uh, I grew up in a family that didn't eat a lot of fruits and vegetables. So I'm trying to, uh, instead of having potato chips down in front of the TV in the basement right now, I have mandarin oranges and bananas and, and also almonds. The almonds are kind of a middle ground because they're salted almonds and sure. they're, but you know, I, I'm in the process of shifting uh, the uh, dietary stuff. And at the same time, I'm resuming exercise. Uh, our, so when I was fit 10 years ago, I was working, I was doing CrossFit and uh, my CrossFit coach, uh, that's actually where Kim and I met was in this CrossFit gym and our coach uh, is one of our good friends, one of our best friends. And uh, he contacted us and he said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm doing this thing where I want to coach clients and I need some guinea pigs. You guys want to be guinea pigs. So he's doing like uh, distance coaching and uh, we said, sure. And so, I'm back to the gym for the first time in several years. It's been a long time. And so it's very humbling to start. I'm in such shitty shape right now that I'm having to start very, very slow. And I'm like, Cody, man, these, these workouts you're giving me, they're so basic. They're so lame. That's what I said at first, but now having done three of them, I'm like, Oh, I am basic. I am lame. Well, I'm not actually, <laughs> yeah. I don't have a negative self-talk. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I, I'm, at the pl- I'm not at the place where I could do what I did before. Right. Yeah. And it's like, when you get to be our age, it's like, in- it's just avoiding injury. Like just <laughs> don't get hurt <laughs> yeah. so you can work out another day. As my back, here's a concrete example of what I'm talking about. He had me do a workout the other day where every minute on the minute I has to do uh, first round, one jump rope, one kettlebell swing. Second round, two jump ropes, two kettlebell swings. And I only went up to 10 rounds. So 10 jump ropes, 10 kettlebells. And I'm like, this is so easy. And uh, 
uh, normally in CrossFit, you would have gone till you failed. And uh, I'm like, I, I could do 20 rounds. Even now I could do 20 rounds. Um, but it was topped out at 10. And I, I sent him a message. I'm like, that, that workout was too easy. Today, my back is so sore from the kettlebell swings. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. at our age, it's avoiding injury. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And I, uh, you know, keep up the good work. My, my area, I'm, I'm pretty, I got a great habit of working out, even if the workouts aren't great. Like I, I usually still do the motions and it's very, uh, do you have a home gym? What kind of stuff do you do? So there's a, it's a secret, but an apartment <laughs> complex that I used to live in uh, is very close. I could walk to it. And I was always friendly with the staff there. In fact, I just brought them cookies for the holidays. And I see where this is going. Yeah, so like, <laughs> I, I can only go when they are uh, there uh, in the office. Yeah. So I, I, w- I can walk in through the office. I don't have like 24-hour access, but it's a nice apartment gym, you know, a newer uh, apartment complex. All the equipment's really nice, good Wi-Fi, and it's usually not too crowded. Occasionally, there's a few people, but so that's what I do. We we do have an elliptical machine and a couple like exercise bands, and I will use them occasionally if the weather's kind of bad. So technically, or if it's like you know dark outside in the winter time, and I don't want to walk when it's super cold and windy and all that, I can hop on the elliptical down here and you know get a little sweat going on. So. Um, but, but generally that's it. I do some light cardio and some light, uh, body weight exercises and some, yeah. uh, sort of free weight stuff. So nothing crazy. It, and that's essentially, uh, what I'm doing now. Um, the, 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 just getting back into the physical fitness, I have to do some cardio for my workout today is what I'll do as soon as we're done here, do a warm up. And here's the thing, even the warm ups and the stretching, because I'm in such poor shape, it's very taxing. It's crazy. And then I just do some simple kettlebell exercises, squats and swings and sit-ups and then some more stretching. Just a basic, I can do that at home. Yeah. Uh, but he has me do barbell exercises on Friday and I know I can't do that at home. I'm going to have to go to the gym. Okay. And then um, how many days a week will you be doing a workout? I, I'm trying to do every other day. So basically three and a half days a week. Okay. Um, and you walk a lot too, right? So how, oh, how many yes. steps do you get on a normal day? Well, that's a great question. I'm not going to look it up on the phone. I could do it and give you a precise answer, yeah. but it, it's under 10,000, but that 10,000 thing is arbitrary made right. up anyway. Um, but it, it's close. It's like 8,800 or 9,200. That's my average just left to my own devices. Perfect. Uh, okay. But I've been, I've been walking more in the past nine days because I know that I'm trying to get this T- tonight. I'm going to go downtown Corvallis and watch um, uh, it's a wonderful life at the theater. Okay. And uh, so I, I, I will likely walk downtown in the rain and uh, that's a couple miles. So that'll be 4,000 steps to and 4,000 steps back. Nice. Nice. Okay. So back to resolution. So <clears throat> you will be focusing on fitness um, yes. uh, and maybe a couple other areas. So, and for me, um, like resolutions in general, I, I was never into them. And I think, you know, part of it, like I said at the opening, I'm a little contrarian. And usually I'm like, oh, if I want to do something, fuck, like I may as well start it as soon as possible. Why wait? Hey, 
So that is smart. And I wish I would do that instead of waiting for these. I told you I have these dates that I like to do throughout the year. I should do what you do. So, and and I don't know, probably some years I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to focus on this area and I'm sure I never did. Now, one, my wife often does dry January and I have been trying to cut back a little on the alcohol. So there's a solid chance that I'll do a, we'll call it like a semi-dry or semi-wet January where I cut back, but I'm not sure if I'll uh, abstain completely. Um, It's fine, but now that I have the the chili pad and I'm sleeping really well, I'm not sure um, the alcohol is going to impact me quite as much. Right. I think it's smart of you, Doug, to uh, like just start when you're motivated. When I think about when I've been successful, um, it has been when I start in the moment. Um, the, my best weight loss, best physical fitness program that I ever started, I started on May 5th or May 6th, 1997. I, I know that because it's 5, 6, 97. And I just, it was the first time I ever got really overweight. I'm like, dude, I think I hit 200 pounds for the first time is what it was. And the next day I was on it. And for two years, I was into it. And I don't, I don't know, remember what derailed me, but just starting there. Or you just brought up the alcohol. Um, for me, I struggled with pot use. Um, it's, I started innocently enough, uh, but it grew into something that was affecting my mental health and my physical health uh, here recently. And this year on July 4th, I just, I gave it up. It wasn't even deliberate. It was, I just gave it up. And, uh, I've had it three times since, and I'm okay with those three times since I'm not going to beat myself up for having it three times, but it's no longer a habit. It's no longer something that I'm doing every day. And I think it's much more effective for me to start when I have the motivation instead of waiting. I always tell myself, Oh, I'll I'll wait and I'll start January 1st. We're so close to the end of the year. I'll wait. Uh, but I should do it now. Yeah. And I was going to say, I have to thank you because you told me that you, cut back on the weed, which by the way, everyone it's illegal in both places where JD and I are residing. So we're not doing any illicit uh, activities. So we just go to the store and buy it. It's crazy. If you're not in the state. Um, yeah, there's just stores. You walk up to the dispensary and, uh, lots of stores. (laughs) Yeah, there's plenty. There's no shortage. Uh, but anyway, I cut way back because I was kind of like what you were talking about, it became kind of a habit and I was thinking that it was helping my sleep a little bit and it maybe was a touch, but at some point it's like, ah, that's a crutch. Like that is not a healthy thing. So without think, I, I don't even know the last time I've had it. It must be, it could be like six weeks or something. Um, just not intentional, but you were in my head <laughs> like an angel on <laughs> my shoulder telling me like, ah, oh, what are you doing? Like who, like, why are you doing that? So yeah, I've cut way back on that. But yeah, started just kind of like no strong motivation, but I was like, ah, is that really what I want to do? And the answer is no. So yeah, it, earlier you talked also about how goals can be binary sometimes. And uh, that's that's something I've been thinking about with the pot use and with my attempts to reduce alcohol <clears throat> is the binary nature of that. Um, Kim's always telling me, she says, you're all or nothing. You're all or nothing. And my ex-wife used to say that too. And they're, they're right. I am all or nothing. I, I tend to be that way. And so with the pot use, um, I don't want to have it, it. I don't want to do it daily, but I am not opposed if I'm around with friends and they're using it. I'm like, okay, 
Um, and the three times I've used it twice, I've used it since July 4th to help me sleep. And one time I've used it because I was like, you know what? It's the afternoon. I have a lot of free time. I would like to watch some anime and just be stoned and watch an anime. <laughs> and so I did it. And it was fun. And I have zero regrets. That is that is exactly how I should be using it. But I shouldn't be doing it every day. It should be like a rare thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and the same with the alcohol. So I, I went through a – it was the month of September. I didn't drink. And on into October, I have a buddy here in uh, – uh, Corvallis, Jeff, who writes at The Happy Philosopher, he and I both decided to uh, go through a dry dry month together. And uh, he's maintained that. I mean, he's had a few drinks. I'm doing more, but I'm, I'm making sure I don't let it become a daily thing. Uh, but for me, if, if I have it in my head that, oh, I can't have alcohol at all, that becomes problematic because like you say, it's a binary thing. And I feel like if I take one drink, then I failed. And it makes me, it sends me into this dark place where I'm derailed. And instead of like, no, let's, let's change the, instead of setting this uh, goal for an outcome, let, let's change the pro Let's change how my relationship with the alcohol. And so I'm no longer bringing beer home. Um, I'm no longer bringing whiskey home. I love my whiskey. Mm. Um, but uh the other night, Kim and I, we went out to uh, a local restaurant and I had two beers and I'm fine with that. that that's a, that's a great relationship. And I know that this weekend uh, for Christmas, uh, I will drink wine when we go to a Christmas dinner. I'm perfectly fine with that. Very good. And I think, yeah, that's kind of where I want to shift to, like you said, if you, once you're, you know, if you're derailed and you're like, ah, I may as well drink all weekend long. And, you know, luckily my personality type doesn't do that. But I know some people, like you said, if you're all or nothing, you're like, ah, I already blew it. May as well just keep drinking the rest of the week here. Are you a natural moderator? I think so. I think so generally. Um, yeah, I, I would say so. So uh, Gretchen Rubin, uh, from the happiness project it talks about how there's two types of people, two types of people, there's moderators and there's abstainers and people like you who are moderators or like my girlfriend, Kim, you're able to do things in moderation. And uh, people like me, I'm an abstainer. It's very difficult for me, for me to do things in moderation. I either have to, I'm either all in or I'm all out. And like I said earlier, uh, both Kim and my ex-wife say I'm an all or nothing type, type of guy. And, uh, so for me to stop something, especially, I can't say, oh, I'm going to moderate as I stop. Uh, I have to just stop cold turkey. And that works for me. Um, but like right now with the alcohol in the pot, I'm trying to, okay, I stopped cold turkey. Now let's try to, let's see, can I reintroduce it and have a healthy relationship? So before we wrap up here, quick plug, <laughs> quick yeah. plug for... The donations. So Mile High Fine, you could probably hear this. My dog is like scratching the carpet above. Can, can you hear the crazy noise? Oh, I heard something. Yeah. What, what are, is it your dog playing with somebody? No, I think she's like trying to scratch the carpet to, to uh, like nestle up into it or something like that. Oh, so I have a beagle mix. And so every once in a while, not today, but every once in a while on a podcast, she'll lose her mind and just start bark, 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 barking. Like, sorry, it's just the dog. Yeah, yeah. And she scratched for a surprisingly long amount of time. But 
uh, back back to the uh, donation. So, uh, JD, I don't know if we told you this, but we're we're trying to not run ads. We're trying to just have donations, and our expenses are relatively low compared to other podcasts, but it still costs you know a few hundred bucks. And we're producing uh, Alan Donigan's show as well, so that costs money too. So, if people are interested, there's a link in the uh, description, the show notes here. So. Uh, starts at like five bucks a month. You can, we love to have membership. So people pay on a regular basis so we can count on that. You can also donate a, you know, one time amount, but we have a handful of people. We, you get extra content over on buy me a coffee. And like I said, we'll put a link out there. And I'm curious, JD, have you ever donated via like Patreon or something to creators that, that you appreciate? It's okay. If the answer is no, you don't have to lie. Absolutely. I, I, I donate $50 a month to bitches get riches. And I've been doing that for years now, many years. And I also donate money to women's personal finance. I think that one's an annual one. Um, but yeah, there's, there are a handful of creators that I donate money to. Awesome. Very good. And I, I have donated, um, over the years, a few uh, more recently, like, uh, people that have, YouTube, like guitarists that have YouTube channels and I'll like watch oh, yeah. videos and you can get tabs from them and, you know, support what they're trying to do. Turns out uh, YouTube ads don't really pay much at all. So if you can give them five or 10 bucks a month, like that goes a long way and they spend so much time creating the videos and creating the tabs and all that. So I am a, I'm a donator myself to various creators. Oh. If, here's a big if, if I continue with Get Rich Slowly, because the, the subtext throughout this conversation where I, I'm talking about how I have to burn bridges in order to like leap into the future, the subtext is giving up Get Rich Slowly once again. Um, if I continue with it, though, that is the model I'm going to move toward is a, a donation model, get rid of all the ads and just say, hey, you all know I'm financially independent. Uh, I don't need the money. But if you want to support me, here's the Patreon link. Yeah. And, you know, we haven't figured out all the, all the pieces, but you know, one fun thing that we're trying to do is while we're doing a show or if we have a planning meeting or something like that, we'll try to take some pictures and just like give a little bit more information. Like I sent an email out yesterday, letting people know that we have a, you know, one of our mutual friends, JD is going to help guest host, which we haven't released that information yet. So, you know, people be on the lookout for that. But anyway, we're, we're trying to figure all that stuff out, but we'll put a link and we appreciate any support that people can give. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important to support people who are producing things that you like. I think it's very, very valuable. It helps uh, mitigate the need for ads. It helps, it helps motivate people. It's the reality. And it keeps it a little more pure because as soon as you start taking money from advertisers, then you're thinking, ah, should I say that thing or not? And that that's no good. That's no good. Agree, hundred percent. And we say weird stuff sometimes, so we really need that. <laughs> so, okay. Well, as we wrap up, uh, JD, I know uh, there's one area, the smart goals, and I know you had maybe some commentary around it. I don't know if you want to bring that up here or just kind of wrap it up with you know how you're viewing goals and what you're doing in the coming year. I don't really want to talk about smart goals. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we didn't get there. Uh, I used to be big on smart goals. And, and if you're going to set goals, smart goals are, are they're a smart way to do it. Uh, but uh, I don't do that anymore. And uh, no, for me, I think 
my thoughts on goals in general are I would rather people have spend time developing a personal mission statement and thinking about their greater purpose. And so have a big picture thing rather than these small detailed goals, because I think that's more valuable when you know your bigger picture, uh, it helps motivate you intrinsically. Whereas I think, uh, the goals are often like this kind of extrinsic motivation and it's less valuable. Eh, I'm not really making much sense there. I've got to hash it out. But yeah. all this is to say is uh, like you, I take kind of a contrarian view. And I think goals are great for many, many people. But I think at some point you reach a, a stage of life where you need to not need it's best to let go of goals and uh, become more inwardly focused, I guess. I like it. And again, I won't repeat stuff that you just said, but we have very similar views. And I think if people can take, you know, two things that I'm thinking about, really focus on the systems instead of the goals and habits where you, you know, make something consistent, not, I really have to, you know, try really hard to just try to reach this goal. Maybe it's not fulfilling for me personally. So if you could do goals and have like those mini successes each day, that's great. So let me interrupt before you go on to your second point. So I think the key skill there is then once you figure out something that you want to achieve, say you want to get out of debt or achieve financial independence or lose weight, instead of setting that as a goal, figure out what the system is that gets you to the results you want. So the the key skill is figuring out what is the system I need to put in place. Yes. So yeah, figure out the goal and then reverse engineer the system. Yes, exactly. hundred percent. It took us uh, about a little over an hour, but we have, I think a pretty tight point here with our brains together. (laughs) We have a takeaway. (laughs) (laughs) The, the number two is you can't do as many things as you think you can. And I'm telling myself here, by the way, for everyone. Um, so you may set, you know, five or six goals or 10 or whatever. You have a huge list. Get rid of most of them. Focus on like two. You're going to be way better off. You won't be as stressed out. You'll end up dropping most of those anyway. So if you do it sooner than later, and if you have a mission statement or you know where you're aiming, that should help prioritize those very top ones. And again, I'm telling myself this, I need to take my own advice. It's, it's really hard to let go of things that you have sunk cost in. It's really hard to let go. So. It, it, oh, sunk costs are huge weight. I, I'm dealing with two sunk cost issues right now. One is all the time and money I've put in to get rich slowly. Do I really want to give all that up and like move on to something else? Uh, the second is, Uh, I have an opportunity uh, to go to Greece this year with some mutual friends. And uh, I just found out that a course that I signed up for, I spent $4,000 on this course. It's a writing course. uh, It's taking place during the same time. That's a sunk cost, right? The $4,000, I've already spent that. It it, it shouldn't be a determining factor in the decision. And yet it is. And so it's, it's, it's rough. It's rough. So we'll put a pin in that uh, sunk cost bias that we could talk about and probably a couple others that tie in. So maybe we could do a whole episode on our uh, flaws (laughs) as humans. (laughs) (laughs) 
oh man, that would be an interesting episode. Yeah. Our flaws as humans. I mean, that's a whole that's a whole other <laughs> podcast. I think it's a whole other show. Each week we highlight flaw. our flaws. All right. Well, JD, this has been amazing. Thanks a lot for joining me. Yeah, it's been great. And people can find you. We'll put links, um, you know, the blogs and, and such. Anywhere else people should check out for you. I don't know, maybe art classes at Oregon State University. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> keep keep a lookout. All right, we'll talk to you soon, JD. Peace. Take care. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast, and I'm Doug Cunnington, the Balder host, and Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in in person. So the virtual kind is pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using, and that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week. JD, I saw you just poured some coffee there. How do you prepare your coffee? Well, this is French press. I prefer French press. Um, but we also have one of those little, what is it, Nespresso machines. And uh, we've decided that is just a dumb, dumb financial decision. So we're uh, we're in the process of trying to use up all the little pods so that we're done with it. Right. And are those little pods now at least like biodegradable? It just seems so wasteful, right? No, they're not, but they, they, they give you a little envelope, not a little envelope, but a big envelope, plastic envelope, and you mail them back to the company and supposedly they do something with them. I suspect they just throw them in the trash, but yeah, probably directly into the ocean. That's my guess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I usually do a pour over and we, we have a small espresso machine and it has you know, it'll use like the little pods, but you could also put your in pods. I mean, like the espresso pods that they use, like in a a um, huh? sort of a lower end coffee shop, I would say. And then you you can also like put your own grounds in there and like press them down and do all that stuff. Nothing too fancy, but I don't pull it out too often. And, and the thing is, I've moved largely to decaf. So yes. You know, it doesn't matter. Like coffee's fun. I still do it, but without the caffeine, it's not nearly as exciting. And you're like, yeah, maybe I'll have herbal tea instead. It's kind of weird. Well, well, and this might get into our conversation. Who knows? Maybe you'll edit this into the show. Um, f- for me, I'm also trying to reduce my caffeine. So with the Nespresso, I've been doing half calf and I have some decaf pods. Um, 
but I'm having real issues with blood pressure. And one of the things my doctor wants me, wants me to do is reduce my caffeine intake. And so today is unusual. I slept poorly last night and I have a splitting headache. So I'm like, I'm going to drink some coffee this morning. Makes sense. And I think we could do a, a whole, whole liter of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's what I used to drink. Um, and then eventually I'd have to, I don't know what threshold it was. It was probably like 350 milligrams, milligrams of caffeine. And then I would get jittery and then everything would irritate yeah. me. Um, but it took me, I don't know, a couple of years to figure that out. So now I look back, I'm like, man, I was such a little irritable, uh, you know, jerk to be around for a few years there. So how many, how many milligrams of cough caffeine in a liter of coffee? is it i know it's a oh yeah it's 406 okay so um so the french press holds a liter i just measured it this morning and uh yep i I know that the uh recommended max for a day is 300 milligrams so it's like Uh, well we'll no 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 wonder it's affecting me yeah sorry 